This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. I'm Jessan Nam, live from San Francisco. And this is Jamal Dajani, live from Jerusalem. Live from Palestine, live from Jerusalem, the capital of Palestine. And uh, this is Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. We have a great show today. We're really glad to be able to continue Arab Talk um, with these technological advances. We're streaming right now on Facebook Live on Jamal Dajani 2, as well as streaming live on kpo.com, as well as broadcasting at 89.5 FM. Jamal, I'm delighted to hear your voice direct from Jerusalem. And I guess first and foremost, since we last spoke with you, I know you've been on the ground in Palestine for approximately almost a week now. Give our listeners a sense of what's happening on the ground. Well, a lot of things happening on the ground, but I wanted to start with the big story because there has been a media uh, frenzy or a little bit of a buzz because uh, the, um, as you know, uh, this week noted journalist and a CNN contributor, uh, Peter Beinart. Yes. He underwent a, for him at least, a shocking ordeal. He was detained and interrogated at Ben-Gurion Airport when he was uh, trying to enter Israel, despite him being, of course, Jewish and uh, an ardent Zionist. He is a big supporter of Israel, uh, but recently has he has been critical of the occupation and the settlements, which basically prompted, you know, this this uh, this ordeal prompted an outrage in the media, uh, a Twitter storm, a lot of uh, attention, and then uh, there was a swift, which is uh, unprecedented, a swift uh, response by the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, trying to whitewash what happened or. You know, but what, what what's the explanation? He was detained. Uh, he Full said stop. it was it was in a in a, some sort of a quasi apology. He said that it was a mistake, which we know uh, it's nonsense. So 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 there was like as I said, uh, a major outcry by the media. Uh, you, I'm sure you've read about it. Yes, it was published in the New York Times, it was on CNN, it was all over uh, the news, and it got a lot of attention, and because he also tweeted about his ordeal and talked a little bit about uh, about his ordeal, which uh, which was good, you know, right? How, so, how, how many hours was he detained, Jamal? I think he was detained for about... A couple of hours, maybe up to maybe up to two, to four hours. I don't know the exact uh, details. Right. And then uh, this was uh, followed shortly because you know it kind of started encouraging people to to talk about their ordeal, and then also the well-known author uh, and also a f- former CNN contributor Reza Aslan. Uh, also talked about an ordeal uh, that he faced as he was crossing from Jordan into uh, Israel. And he was detained, but he was detained and questioned and, and was separated from his family. He was um, uh, threatened that he wasn't going to be, he wasn't going to see his family again. And they were accusing him you know, of uh, incitement, incitement against Israel, asking him question, why do you hate Israel? Uh, and you're not going to see your your family again, and uh, and and so on. So 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 those two stories, but but uh, most importantly, the story by Peter Beimert uh, received all kinds of uh, you know attention by the media. And uh, of course, the question and or or uh, you know, uh, the question that asks itself really is where have you been exactly. when thousands exactly. of Palestinians and Palestinians Americans uh, get detained, interrogated, humiliated, 
and many of whom get deported. Exactly. They don't let them in the country. And if you recall, just because recently I dug up, uh, didn't take me much, an interview we conducted in 2015 with the local San Franciscan, uh, Mr., uh, or actually uh, he's now, he's a priest, he was a deacon then, uh, Deacon uh, George uh, Hury. Oh, that's right. That's right with the delegation from the Catholic Church from the San Francisco Bay Area. And just to give it some background, he uh, he was born in Jerusalem and he was traveling through Ben-Gurion and he was, uh, you know, people can look up this interview it's from 2015. I actually reposted it on our Facebook uh, page, uh, Jamal Dejani too. And you can listen to him, how he was interrogated, humiliated, he was uh, basically imprisoned uh, or, and made to pay for uh, this cheap uh, motel that they put him in. And then uh, they've made him pay for his ticket. They took away his passport, had him handcuffed all the way to the plane, and then gave his passport to the uh, flight attendant or the pilot, I'm not sure, and told them not to give him his passport until he reached his next de- destination. So he was actually thrown out of the country so you know uh, where have you been where have you been is the comment jamal where have you been yeah so i'm i'm glad i mean uh, and we are glad that uh, this uh, recent incident by that happened to peter beinart uh, received a lot of attention and people are talking about it but our question to cnn the new york times all these publications where have you been when all these Palestinians, and many of them uh, are Palestinian-Americans, just like Beinart is Jewish-American. There are Palestinian-Americans, uh, British-Americans, uh, you know, coming with foreign passports and so forth. And every time they arrive, this is the norm. That's what I'm saying, that this has been the norm for so many years. For well, so many years, for Palestinians, uh, you know, uh, who get not only humiliated but they get they get deported, and now all of a sudden uh, you just uh, you know you, you have all this attention given because this uh, uh, individual individual happens to be not Palestinian. Um, you know, you and I have our own multitude of stories of detention and uh, attempts to psychologically, if not phys- physically, intimidate us. And we've, we've talked about this, you know, kind of many over the years here on Arab Talk when we've attempted to either go back to Jerusalem or Gaza or Ramallah or anywhere in Palestine. And it's, it's, a, it's interesting that this is getting, this happened now, Jamal, in light of the nation state, so-called nation state, law that was passed in the Israeli Knesset that privileged one group of uh, individuals over another, basically saying that only Israelis who happened to be Jewish had the right to self-determination. And yet you have here a New York Times reporter who's Jewish, and I don't know if he's a dual citizen, apparently not, who who is actually detained. So um, the New York Times, I don't know what your feeling was, but they seemed kind of weak in editorializing or even commenting on his detention. This should have been a bigger deal, shouldn't it? Well, he is mostly, I don't know if he's a New York Times reporter, he's definitely a CNN contributor, and he is, uh, of course, a contributor to the Forward. He's a columnist at the, right. at the Forward. Um, he might have published articles in the New York Times, but he has. nevertheless, he's a well-known journalist. He appears on TV uh, quite a bit, and he has been an ardent supporter uh, in, uh, of Israel. And as of recently, like many uh, Jewish Americans and, and other Jews across the globe, they have been critical of Israel because it, uh, uh, not only because of the recent law, but because of its... Uh, uh, heinous crimes against the uh, civilians in Gaza and in the West Bank and, uh, uh, you know, um, extrajudicial killings. Yes. And then, of course, most recently, this new apartheid uh, 
uh, law, which uh, even uh, some of those critics uh, who have uh, who used to defend Israel whenever somebody used that scary A word, they are using it now. I mean, you're hearing this not only from Israelis, but you are hearing it from Jewish Americans and others. And some people try to make it to kind of soften it a little bit and say, well, yeah, Israel is veering towards apartheid. No, it's, it, it's not veering towards apartheid. It's been it there. Is now. Yes. They've just put the final stamp on apartheid with this, this because they codified it really with this past law. And, and uh, maybe no one is in denial except for Benjamin Netanyahu and his hardcore supporters uh, who are basically the settlers led by Avigdor Lieberman. But even Israelis themselves, many of them, they have expressed shame because of what had happened uh, recently. And, and, and then, of course, you have the BDS uh, movement and the BDS campaign. So there is also a panic within uh, the Netanyahu establishment, and they have been targeting, um, we talked about that before, because right. earlier, uh, I don't know if it's, it's, it's even been two, three weeks, they've deported someone, um, Ari uh, Gold, right? Right, uh, that's right. She's, she's uh, a member of uh, uh, Jewish Voice for Peace. That's and, right. Uh, and she's also, uh, uh, I don't know if she's the executive director with, with Medea Benjamin. I think co-executive director, yeah. Co-executive director. But anyway, uh, she, she's of course a Jewish American and she was detained and, and deported. So this is, uh, this, this, what does it say? Because this is the new kind of evolution, if you will or devolution, I should say, of the apartheid regime. Um, even though you're, you're part of the club, being, let's say, a Jewish American, it doesn't spare you the ridicule, the uh, oppression. Uh, certainly, it challenges the first, the, the, the right of any kind of free speech. I mean, we've known that if you're Palestinian, you don't have the right to free speech uh, anywhere in historic Palestine right now. But this is, must be a bit of a wake-up call for Mr. Beinart. I don't know. I, I read his initial response and, and his kind of reaction to things, but has he written anything more recently about the, this impact? I mean, it really deserves quite a bit of discussion. Well, he reported on it, but I think uh, the, there, has been, uh, there have been a lot of write-ups, opinions, supports, questioning, uh, Mr. Netanyahu's uh, statement that it was a mistake. Right, uh, right. Big mistake. Uh, yeah, like it was a big mistake. And actually, it was laughable saying that Israel, and I'm paraphrasing, respects different opinions, whether they agree with us or not. Uh, I'll find that statement, but it was a laughable, <laughs> very, it was a laughable statement. Uh, you know, we know that that's not the truth. And I earlier mentioned, actually, it's Ariel Gold. I said Ari Gold, and she's the national co-director of Code Pink. I should I should add, and she herself, she was deported, and she herself uh, had uh, recently uh, written an article. Um, also in response to what happened, uh, actually uh, in response to uh, Mr. Netanyahu uh, with about his uh, damage control statement and the title of the article, Was it a mistake when Israel banned me, Bibi? That's her article. That's so funny. She talks about her, uh, yeah, she talks about her experience. And uh, again, she was questioned by the Shin Bet. So, you know, you have her. You know, she's a high-profile person uh, also, uh, as well. And this happened just like three three weeks ago. Yeah, Peter Beinart. Then you have uh, Reza Aslan, who was not only detained, but he was threatened with physical harm. Right. Uh, or separation from his family and telling him he's never going to see his family again. Also, I forgot to mention a few weeks, uh, also, uh, or a week or so, after uh, um, uh, Ariel Gold was deported, uh, 
the Jewish philanthropist Mayor Koplo found also himself detained and questioned at Ben Gurion and interrogated because they found in his suitcase, Jess, a, a pamphlet titled, and actually I know the publisher, it's a type of a pamphlet is called This Week in Palestine, which is really a non-political publication. No, it's, it's like a, it's it, like events going on in Palestine during that week, like art shows. Exactly, music, yeah, exactly. Cultural. Yeah, yeah. Uh, art. Uh, they have it at the, they have it at Palestine. the ho they have it at the hotels. They have it at the hotels. We've had the publisher as a guest on our show. Yeah. Before that. So they found this publication in his suitcase, and I should say, uh, Mayor Coplo, he self-identifies himself as a Zionist uh, and an ardent supporter of Israel, and he um, participates in a uh, program called Encounter, a program that brings Jewish American uh, community leaders to Israel to meet, you know, with people on the ground of course, raises a lot of money. Then also earlier uh, in uh, August, yes, uh, the Shimbet detained Simon Zimmerman and Abby Kirschbaum uh, at the Israeli-Egypt border uh, crossing uh, when they were leaving from a vacation. And they work, both of them, they work uh, with Israeli human rights organizations, uh, or, or uh, uh, sorry, an, an Israeli human rights organization called Gisha. Yeah. So they were also questioned for three hours. And the first question they asked them, why did you come here to work with Palestinians? Why not with Jews? That's one of the questions, you know. <laughs> so, you know, and they were interrogated and asked questions. Uh, uh, you know, like Reza Aslan, he was talking about. He had to. They asked him to give him. Asked him to give him to give them the names of all the journalists he knows, all the Palestinian journalists he knew, and everyone that he was supposed to meet with, and so forth. So I've cited at least five now incidents, uh, and I'm sure we can remember more. Those are the high-profile incidents. So there is a panic. In a way, there is the implementation of this apartheid law, and somehow the Shin Bet feels emboldened. It, it, they feel emboldened by, of course, Benjamin Netanyahu and by their uh, minister, Avigdor Lieberman, but, no, but also by... But I, I, th I think they... Right, but I think they feel empowered by Donald Trump, too, because what I was going to say about this ratcheting up of these oppressive um, techniques, which, you know, we as Palestinians have been experiencing, you know, for 70 years. The fact that it's occurring and affecting avowed Zionists who happen to speak with Palestinians or carry, you know, cultural literature speaks to the, you know, extremism that 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 is occurring now, the right to extremism that's occurring in Israeli political scene. But also, and I think, you know, this is playing out in parallel to what's happening here in the United States with the rise of, of Donald Trump um, and and his, you know, strongman dictator uh, perspective on, you know, world affairs. He's giving the Israelis cover to do all these things. If any of these things had happened to American citizens under any other president, there would be uh, a call from the State Department. There would be a call from the embassy. Some, these things would be investigated. Maybe if they, they weren't Palestinian Americans, but the fact that they are, you know, Jewish Americans, the fact that this goes like, happens like this means that the, what I call, Jamal, the Trump effect in terms of giving Israel even a bigger pass at this point, I think, is, is really showing itself. Well— Absolutely. And you mentioned actually something very important because you said uh, there would have there would have been a reaction by the administration. And usually the first reaction comes from the embassy, the U.S. embassy right. uh, in, in what used to be in Tel Aviv and then the State Department. But we have a whole different atmosphere and a whole different uh, embassy, really, to tell you the truth, in uh, now in 
Jerusalem. And just to give you uh, something uh, very recent, number one, those who don't know who is the U.S. ambassador to Israel, uh, he's no other than David Friedman. And and if 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 you want to learn the uh, the history and the record of David Friedman, look him up, Google his name. He is one of the most ardent supporters of the colonial settlements. Yes. And so, so here, Donald Trump, I mean, historically, uh, I would say maybe if, uh, most, if not all, the ambassadors assigned in Israel uh, are Jewish Americans. And but this one in particular, he is he he has been so many times uh, on settlements, illegal settlements. He he supported them both politically and financially. He had meetings with their leadership. So to give you an example, this is so recent. This happened only today. Just so. There was a statement, and this is the statement, and I'm going to be reading it. It was published in the Jerusalem Post and other publication. So Mr. Friedman today told visitors, he had several Israeli uh, uh, MKs or members of the Knesset in his office. He promised and he told them that West West Bank settlements do not need to be uprooted. So you know, historically, the United States and the world has, and the international community, and it, it has been always against the uh, colonial settlements. But today, you have, as I said, you have a U.S. ambassador sitting right here in Jerusalem now, and then this is his quote: "There is no reason to evacuate settlements." Friedman told a group of uh, settlement leaders, accompanied by members of the Knesset. One of them is Yehuda Glick from the Likud. And Yehuda Glick has a, you know, he's basically someone who has always called for the expulsion of Palestinians. And he actually got shot because he was leading a group of settlers to go, you know, uh, to the Temple Mount, what they refer to it, which is Al-Aqsa Mosque. But he is part of a group that calls for the destruction of Al-Aqsa and the Dome of the Rock to rebuild the Jewish temple in their place. That's his movement. Wow. So, so, and of course, he himself is a settler. So he went to a meeting, and the meeting, the meeting after he brought with him the whole South Hebron Hills, uh, regional council, which is a group of uh, colonial settlements there, headed by Yochai Damri. And and this is what the U.S. ambassador said. So, so uh, I mean, then when there, uh, there was a, a reporter who asked the embassy to clarify the ambassador's statement, so far, the U.S. Embassy said it had no comment on the report. But as I've said earlier, Friedman has long been a supportman of the settlement movement. So I don't doubt that he said something like this. Maybe he didn't think that this was going to be reported in the media. And, and, and as you know, this is something that was opposed by every single president, you know, as far as the settlements, um, the Obama administration right. had felt that Israel must withdraw to the pre-1967 lines in any final status resolution, uh, barring uh, some minor modification for land swaps. That was the position of uh, the Obama administration, and it had a no-tolerance policy towards settlements and held that they were an obstacle to peace. But... And this is something very important for people to pay attention to. The Trump Trump administration has a loose definition and a more tolerant attitude towards the settlement. And a lot of people uh, have been talking here, and you could read a lot of it in the Israeli media. And uh, this story made a lot of actually news. Uh, It was reported in Jerusalem Post and other publications. But 
people are trying to guess what is this uh, deal of the century. We keep talking about the deal of the century, right? <laughs> Which century? Right. Well, the deal, <laughs> yeah, the deal of the century they, that they keep talking right. about. Right. This is the Kushner deal. Right. The Kushner deal, and the big, the big fear is of the so-called deal of the century. The deal of the century, uh, basically, you know, it's going to be probably, it's going to probably support the uh, the settlements uh, or keeping the settlements at least in area C which is you know no I I, I think Jamal which is you're, most of most of the population of the settlers you know you're talking about right but I think thousand of the 800,000 exactly but I think you're being too I think you're being too open-minded about this the the deal of the century really is, no change to existing settlements, room to grow existing settlements, no change in the illegal status of stealing Palestinian land in Jerusalem. And what we'll do is we'll basically loan Palestinian Palestinians and the Palestinian Authority money or give them the money that is already there, and we'll call it a day. That That's really the deal of the century. It's completely bogus. It is the— Kushner plan. It's not going to get rolled out anytime soon, especially in the current climate. But I do believe, Jamal, and I want to get your your hunch about this just in terms of the the kind of dynamics between, you know, kind of Israeli politics and what's happening here in the States. I mean, uh, Donald Trump is spending so much time trying to defend himself and deflect what's happening with the Mueller investigation right now. I think the Israelis if, are, are kind of seeing that his tenure as president may not last, certainly not past the four years, and who knows if it's going to be shorter. So I do believe that there is a rush now by the Israelis to grab, steal, extort, whatever word you want to use, as much land and political uh, 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 occupation, if you will, uh, as possible right now. This seems to be, Jamal, occurring at a very rapid p- pace right now. You're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. In, I mean, in essence, this is what we have been talking about for the past half hour. There is not only a rush, but there is also a uh, a frenzy, I would say. Yeah, it seems like a frenzy. Trying to push things on the agenda and create facts on the ground and at the same time create a major fear and pass new laws like as we spoke, uh, talked about earlier the uh, detention and interrogation of Jewish Americans at the uh, at Ben Gurion airport uh, the targeting of organizations uh, that support the BDS movement and passing laws uh, we talked about passing laws targeting the those who support the BDS movements, uh, movement, but there was also a new law targeting the organization, breaking the silence, bre- prohibiting right. veterans, Israeli veterans, from criticizing the government or talking about their experience being in the Israeli occupation army. So you have all these things because they know they are getting a, a wink and a nod by the U.S. administration or, uh, you know, or um, basically total... Uh, disregard to anything that they do on the ground right so far uh, you know i mean the last uh, brouhaha that we we talked about which is the uh, interrogation of uh, the journalist peter beinart uh, netanyahu himself tried to backtrack and say it was a mistake well guess what <laughs> Well, we laughed about this, and we know, and and saying that Israel is an open society, and they never, you know, people have the freedom and all this nonsense. But guess what? We haven't heard an official complaint from the State Department. Exactly, exactly my point. We haven't heard an official statement from the U.S. Embassy now in Jerusalem from Mr. Friedman. Mr. Friedman today was talking about the settlements and saying that the settlements don't need to be evacuated in a final solution or a peaceful, whatever, peace uh, peace plan between the Palestinians and the Israelis. He didn't mention anything about this Jewish-American well-known journalist being interrogated at the airport. 
there is no mention about other, uh, you know, uh, incidents like right. the deportation of Ariel uh, Gold, Gold. Uh, uh, and, and others. So they're giving them the carte blanche totally. 100%. And that's why they're rushing. They know just in case, which that's another discussion because I'm not so sure that the Democrats are going to get their act together. That's another story. And, yeah, and win the elections, but just in case that Trump happens to be a one-term president, they are trying to rush into everything so they can create as many facts on the ground as possible and get away with it and pass laws. They've they've already succeeded. They've succeeded in getting extracted the concession from the U.S. administration, which historically rejected moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Now they moved it. It's it's uh, it's something there. The embassy is in full swing. The ambassador residence, ha, uh, Mr. Friedman, has moved from Tel Aviv into Jerusalem. They're conducting business from it. So that they created the biggest fact on the ground uh, yeah. possible. They've been creating facts on the ground when it, when, it, when it comes to settlements. And now they're passing laws like the apartheid law, the, you know, uh, that they've passed recently uh, without any condemnation from the United States. We're speaking uh, with uh, Arab Talk co-host Jamal Dejani live from Jerusalem in Palestine. This is Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. We're at KPOO.com, 89.5 FM, streaming at KPOO.com, live stream on Facebook at Jamal Dejani 2. And uh, we're speaking with uh, Jamal live from uh, Jerusalem. Jamal, I, I do want to get your sense because um, the situation in Gaza, especially the last couple of weeks, has just been devastating. And there is some interesting disinformation that has been coming out in some of the mainstream media outlets here that the Israelis and uh, the um, political elite in Gaza have come to some sort of understanding or agreement to a ceasefire. I don't know if that's true. What I do know to be the case is that medical supplies have essentially run out not just, you know, advanced medical supplies, but basic medical supplies needed to just function every day on a basic outpatient basis. Food, water, and medicine continue to be at really uh, extremely low, dangerous levels. Fishermen in Gaza are being attacked every day. You're on the ground uh, in Jerusalem. I don't know if you've been to the West Bank yet, Jamal, but what's your sense of, of what's happening on the ground now in Palestine? Well, I mean, I, I've been for a week on the ground. Of course, I can't go to Gaza. It's not easy to, to, to go to Gaza. I'm in Jerusalem now. And I've been to the West Bank. I've been to, to Bethlehem. I've been to Jericho. And I'm planning to go to other places. But, you know, the biggest thing recently, of course, uh, Israel uh, has been systematically uh, killing uh, people in Gaza, bombing Gaza, and of course the story recently when it happened when Israel bombed the multi-story building and flattened it to the ground. Right. Uh, last Thursday, basically, uh, and this was the cultural center, Jess. It right. It was by no means a military target, and it's just like the only cultural center that they have or meaningful cultural center brand new building uh, was supported by i think by the eu and qatar and other countries they totally flattened it to to the ground unbelievable yeah so, so, so this this was this was like the most recent kind of happening again uh, we haven't heard any condemnation from the united states this was a landmark in Gaza. It, it held a theater, a library, offices uh, uh, for artistic uh, associations inside the center. It was also used as a recreation center for children who are, as you know, affected by at least three wars waged against Gaza by Israel during the past decade. That's right. And, and so the, the children woke up the second day to to go 
in uh, to look uh, at a uh, a pile of rubble uh, and uh, and uh, Israel tried to say that uh, Hamas was involved somehow whatever but all the artists working at the center strongly denied any Israeli claims that uh, Hamas was using this building for any military use and there were con condemnation by the British government and other European countries. Uh, but again, like, you know, things like this happen. And then, and then you have a wave of anger, mostly by the Palestinians and some of the supporters. And then somehow it gets, gets uh, you know, swept under the rug. People don't talk about it. Yeah. Because Israel creates a new distraction. But talking about the most recent development as far as a truce, We've heard this many times before. This is something brokered by uh, the Egyptian government, uh, by uh, President Sisi. And, uh, and Israel is trying basically to uh, circumvent the uh, Palestinian Authority because they don't have any relationship except for uh, coordination going on between the security force, but they haven't met with any uh, Palestinian from the Palestinian government. Uh, they haven't met with Mahmoud Abbas. Uh, everything has stalled. And so now they're trying, they're playing a cat and mouse game with Hamas in a way, uh, you know, trying to send a strong message that right. we can launch a new war by bombing them. And that was a big message to them recently by destroying this building. And then talking to the Egyptians saying, oh, we can have a truce, a long-term truce with them, and, and at the same time trying to cut off the Palestinian Authority. They've, they've, in my opinion, for the past few years, they've managed to drive the wedge between Hamas and the Palestinian Authority. So, so to create basically a, a divided Palestinian uh, entities in yes. the West Bank, Gaza, and therefore whenever you have any international pressure or any talks about a peace plan, uh, the answer uh, from the Israeli government, uh, as usual, will be like we don't have a partner, or in Hebrew, uh, in partner, which means we don't have a partner because the Palestinians can't uh, get along amongst themselves. Right. And this is, so this is the game they're playing, this whole truth with Gaza, opening the Carney, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, I guess, uh, entrance to, into Egypt to allow a few goods right. through it for a few days before the Eid, uh, which is coming up, as you know, Eid al-Adha uh, will begin here on Tuesday. Yeah, the 20th. So trying to, to, to make a few little gestures, and then in a week, you know, this will be all... Uh, this whole agreement will collapse. I guarantee that. Um, this is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. We're at 89.5 FM. This is Jess Hanam live from San Francisco, and we're speaking with Jamal. He's live from Jerusalem. And Jamal, one of the things that I want you to give some insight to to our listeners who may not be able to fully appreciate it is that you're in Jerusalem, and the consistent chronic erosion and attempts to steal Palestinian land in Jerusalem. We, we know there was this aggressive attempt from 1948, obviously, until, you know, basically into the 1960s and 70s on what is termed the, the kind of, west, quote, western side of Jerusalem, especially after 67. But what we don't hear about is the theft of Palestinian homes on the eastern side of Jerusalem, and it continues to go unabated. And I wondered if you, what you've seen on the ground, what you've heard, you've spoken to people there, what's happening to Palestinian homes in Jerusalem? Well, uh, let's, let's start by saying that Jerusalem is a tale of two cities, right? Yeah. Israel tries to give the impression that this is a united city. It's under, of course, now it's the, their capital recognized by the United States. <laughs> States and under one municipality, but it doesn't take you much to recognize that this is still a divided city. 
leaving the East Jerusalem, going to West Jerusalem. Uh, the difference is day and night in as far as services, uh, you know, uh, received by uh, the Palestine on the Palestinian side versus the uh, Israeli Israeli side. Yeah. At the same time, at the same time, the city itself is suffocated and choked, choked by colonial settlers. The this whole the whole city now is is basically encircled by settlements. Yes. Uh. So 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 then so that Israel has completed the plan to really uh, suffocate uh, the city. Uh, both politically and economically, and deprive it from its Palestinian identity. Uh, they have succeeded in a way to surround, of course, the whole city and, and some parts of Jerusalem. Of course, there are a lot of Palestinians, and they're maintaining their identity despite their attempts. But every single day, you don't have to go far. You hear a story, there is, uh, you, you watch something on the news, you can see it actually with your own eyes. Uh, there is uh, destruction of homes and there is uh, land theft, the most recent of which you mentioned east of the city, but the most now the concentration of the Israelis, they have been targeting the Silwan area yes. of uh, yes. of the city. So, uh, so uh, recently, uh the israeli government uh, confiscated dozens of dunams of land uh, from the uh, neighborhood of silwan uh, and they have uh, basically gave them to to settlers and uh, for the purpose this is what they said for the purpose of gardening you know gardening yes gardening so they've taken some land, you know, total kind of total land grab, and they took them. And in fact, some of the land belongs to the city, uh, to to I mean, residents of Silwan, Palestinian Palestinian residents of of Silwan, but others they actually belong to the Greek Orthodox Church. So the Palestinian residents of Silwan believe that Israel aims to completely confiscate their land. Uh, of course, they have been appealing it uh, uh, to the Israeli authorities, uh, but uh, to no avail. Uh, they have uh, uh, taken some land, and they 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 say they needed they needed it for open space and national parks. And national parks really mean this is a way to help them annex right. more Palestinian lands to maintain Jewish majority in occupied East Jerusalem under the pretext of uh, being built for recreational purposes. So there is a uh, concerted effort now to really take over this entire neighborhood of, of Silwan. Uh, you know, it, it, this, this uh, Silwan neighborhood has been seeing a major influx of uh, Jewish settlers there. And it's not a big area. You know, when you right. hear me talking about it, you think it's a big neighborhood. It's not a big neighborhood. Just there are currently eight illegal colonial settlement outposts in Silwan. Eight? Eight. Unbelievable. Eight. They take over like a couple of buildings and they, and they declare a settlement or an outpost. So they have now currently eight. And... And this is not something new. This started in 2004. Yeah. Little by little. Right. Started by the takeover of two homes. And now little by little, they're taking over this entire neighborhood. So um, one of the other areas, Jamal, that we don't hear much about is, you know, the economic occupation of Palestinian businesses in Jerusalem and I know that the last time I was there, I was devastated to see um, just the lack of business that uh, traditional Palestinian businessmen and women have been having in Jerusalem for, you know, I don't know how many generations and how many, you know, how many decades and hundreds of years, but the lack of economic prosperity to, uh, maybe that's even too big a word to use, I know, but just 
economic viability for Palestinian businesses in Jerusalem. What, what's been your sense uh, since you've been there? Well, it's, it's a little bit different. I mean, certainly, uh, as I've mentioned earlier, um, Palestinians in Jerusalem are getting suffocated and they are uh, basically both politically and economically. And they're losing uh, a lot of their neighborhoods, especially in the old city. We also are seeing uh, more and more Jewish settlers moving into Palestinian homes. In the old city? In the old city. Some uh, some has been done forcibly and others, unfortunately, through shady deals by the Greek Orthodox Church and other agents, uh, you know, who are working on behalf of the Israeli government. So, so in a sad way, there are also other groups who are working against the Palestinians within their own city. Uh, the economy, in a way now, like I'm now in the summertime and, and actually Jerusalem is full of people. Uh, they have a lot of tourists. I've seen I've seen more tourists coming to the old city, and of course, okay. the Israeli side gets the lion share. You know, so before Israel, Israeli tour operators, they always make sure to fill their own hotels and restaurants and wherever, and then they bring them to the old city. But we also have religious tourism. Uh, you know, in the past, we used to get a lot of tourists. Uh, during the Christian holidays, uh, during Christmas and uh, Easter from Europe, uh, from Greece and, and other countries. And we're seeing this, believe it or not, now we're getting also Islamic tourism, which is uh, when initially most uh, tourists from Muslim countries used to buy cot coming to the city under Israel. Of course, they used to come during the Jordanian uh, time. Right, right. But now... Uh, you have uh, um, tourists coming from Turkey and other Muslim countries. So during, uh, um, like next week, we have Eid al-Adha. The city is full. And so on the, uh, you know, just like uh, I don't specialize in the economy and I haven't, <laughs> to tell you, interviewed people, but I see uh, people are doing a lot of business. They, 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 the markets are full and they okay. have both local and foreign, you know, but that that's different from the Israeli pressure and the uh, high taxes that they have to pay to the Israeli government as well. Jamal, we only have a few minutes left and it's been great uh, hearing about uh, what's happening on the ground in Palestine. I'm just going to switch gears a little bit because of what you just said. And... Um, we haven't had a chance to talk about U.S. domestic uh, issues so much because we've been focusing a bit more on the international scene. But one of the things that's happened in the last uh, week or so has been uh, tariffs that have been introduced against the, the Turkish economy. And there has been a uh, earthquake of uh, political uh, shakeup going on in terms of U.S.-Turkish relations. And... Um, it's been really interesting to see that. So I'm kind of curious, given how the Trump administration and the Netanyahu administration are in lockstep, have you been hearing anything about what's happening in terms of Turkey and what's happening now? Well, uh, definitely. This has been uh, in the news. Uh, even I was following this when I was in, in Greece, and, uh, and, and you probably felt it more in the United States because this has been affecting the stock market you know one day it's going up and then it's it's going down this uh, issue with the uh, with the uh, you know the effect of the the collapse of the uh, Turkish lira lira yeah but it, it I think today it, it things have changed uh, and also uh, the statements that Erdogan uh, has been making saying that they want to move on from reliancy on the dollar. So, of course, this weakens the dollar and looking for alternatives and creating partnerships with Russia and, and, and so forth. And China. But and China. Uh, it, it, uh, there is fear. And uh, I, I felt it more when I was in Europe because the 
you know, for, of course, people com coming from the United States, this was good news. The euro uh, was slipping. And so the dollar uh, was uh, stronger when I was, at least I was in, uh, when I had to change from a dollar to, to, the, to the euro. And so people, they don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll be uh, following on this as it develops. Yes. Um, you've been listening to Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal here on KPOO in San Francisco. We're at 89.5 FM. We're streaming live at live stream on Facebook at Jamal Dejani 2. We're also streaming live at kpoo.com and of course we're broadcasting at 89.5 fm we thank you jamal we know it's late for you it's a few minutes before 1 a.m in the morning we always appreciate your ability to give us these live updates and i know we'll be speaking with you again next week live from palestine any last words well, uh, we'll be reporting next week. Uh, I, I want to wish uh, our uh, listeners who uh, are Muslims a happy Eid because uh, Eid will commence here uh, on Tuesday and we'll be uh, reporting next Thursday live and I'll be uh, traveling to uh, different areas in the West Bank, going to Nablus. Uh, I'm, I'm also going into Nazareth and other places. So I'll, I'll I'll be able to kind of expand. Uh, I've been here a week. This will be another week, and I'll be able to report more Excellent. on what's going on uh, on the ground. Thanks so much, Jamal, and thanks to our listeners. We'll talk to you again next week. Talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.